I can't tell you what a joy it is to be with you here in person today. And um, there's just nothing like worshiping together. And uh, I, it's, it's to see your faces here. I know many of you are watching online today. And I just would like to say we miss you. We certainly understand. But it's good to see the sanctuary becoming a little fuller each time. And, and let me say this. I have learned over the course of this past year how gracious our church is. And, I, and what I mean by that is we have a church that uh, filled with people that yield to everyone else. I've heard from so many that um, have said, you know, I just, I want to let other people attend. And so they haven't registered. And because of that, everybody is like, no, you attend. No, you attend. No, you register. And so I would just like to say, we have room for you. And so um, I appreciate that spirit and I never want us to lose that. But um, what a great time being together. And thank you for being here and joining us online. I'd also like to say, uh, it's in the pre-service slides and after the service you'll probably see it as well. But we have such creative people and I've talked about it a lot and we'll continue to talk this year about our theme. It is by faith and us memorizing scripture together, specifically Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. And our team came up with wallpaper that is ACAC themed as well as 2021, it is by faith. And um, you're not gonna be able to see this, but we have wallpaper for your phone and uh, the Stillers have it right there. And also for your desktop on your computer, it's completely free. And the easiest way I can tell you to get that is to go to our website. There's a, at the top of the website is the ACAC Life page and a button that says it is by faith 2021. And you can just click that and download it and put it on your desktop or your phone. It'll keep that scripture in front of you as you try to memorize it. So this this weekend, we are journeying with Jacob still and working our way through Genesis, and it leads us to chapter 33. And the theme for the 33rd chapter of Genesis is reconciliation. It's restoring broken relationships. And it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful illustration of how to handle conflict, how to resolve and how to allow God to work and heal broken relationships. And this is extremely significant and important. Reconciliation to us as Christians and followers of Jesus who are seeking to live a life. We talked about it, living by faith. Well, reconciliation is very significant and very important in that journey of faith. Because people who are allegiant to the kingdom of God loyal to the kingdom of God and committed to kingdom ways will be committed to reconciling broken relationships in their life. Because there's nothing more that illustrates the supernatural power of the gospel. And I believe it is what reconciliation is one of the things that moves God's heart. When he sees enemies, when he sees people in broken relationship, restored and reconciled, it moves God's heart. Yet I think you would agree if we looked at the world around us, if we looked at our culture, I mean, good grief, all you have to do is turn on the news and you can see that we live in a world opposite of reconciliation. Would you agree? We live in a world that displays the opposite of this. You know, I, I could throw out some hot buttons, which I'm gonna do. 
If we turned on the news, if you turned on your computer, you go to Facebook or Twitter, whatever it may be, all I have to do is mention politics. And I wonder how many broken relationships are there today because of our differences in our political views. I mean, we could talk about the pandemic. We could talk about masks. We could talk about education. We could talk about government and healthcare. We could even talk about sports. And there would be broken relationships. Not too long ago, well, it was a while ago. It was probably seven or eight years ago. I come from a family that I've got two brothers and a dad who, and a sister, but we, the boys in particular, we love sports. And my dad raised us right to be God-fearing Pittsburgh Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates fans. I mean, that's just the way it was. But somehow in the middle of all this, my youngest brother, Austin, became a Patriots fan. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just the wayward son. I don't know how it happened, but he did. And so years ago, years ago, my dad loves baseball. And uh, we had the privilege of the three boys and dad. We had never been to Boston to see a baseball game. And so we took a summer and went to a game. We took a couple days and went to Boston. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> my brother and I, who, my youngest brother, Austin, who's a Patriots fan, he and I got an argument about the Steelers and the Patriots. It was Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, this is prime. Well, you could argue Tom's still in his prime, but you know what I'm saying. And believe it or not, we got an argument about sports for three innings. I moved two sections down because I didn't want to talk to my brother. Now, the point being, even something as silly as sports, it didn't break our relationship, but you get the point. We live in a world that displays the opposite of reconciliation. Now, I would love to tell you that this never happens in the church. I would love to tell you that among the body of faith, even among our church, that we don't have broken relationships, but you would know that that's not true. Broken relationships, conflict is not isolated to those who are not Christ followers, those who are in the world. Unfortunately, it also happens within the church. Now we could talk, I mean, it happens on politics, government, all those things I've already mentioned. But how many times in the body of Christ among followers of Jesus, have we allowed theology? How many times have we allowed our liturgy, the way we worship, styles of music, books, and even people break us in relationship and divide us? But you see, Jesus has called us as people of faith to live by different principles. We are people of the kingdom of God not people of this world. So let me show you some examples. Division is a characteristic of the kingdom of this world, but unity is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. Another one, we have enough polarization in this world. Well, that is a fruit of the kingdom of this world, but togetherness, working together, is a fruit of the kingdom of God. Dissension versus cooperation, kingdom of this world, kingdom of God. Hostility, we certainly have a lot of that in the kingdom of this world, but civility is what the kingdom of God calls us to. And then conflict and reconciliation. You see, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, you are called, we are called to live a life of reconciliation. 
Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians. Look at this verse. Paul writes, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Just leave it there for a second. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Think about how many times, if we're really honest with ourselves, we evaluate everyone else, politics, government, all of those things, theology, doctrine, disagreements from a human point of view. But Paul continues and says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view as well. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, but a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God is giving us, he's reconciled us to him as Christians, as Christ followers. And he has given us the task of reconciling the world to him and the message of reconciliation. Now, last week we saw God, or we saw Jacob wrestling with God. He had fear and doubts, and we talked about how we need to take those to God and wrestle with them. And he had questions about the very promises that God had spoken to him. And Jacob had to come to a personal crisis of faith. He had this incredible encounter, and the Bible even talked, we didn't talk about this last week, but he walked away with a limp. Jacob had a divine encounter, but how many of you know his brother Esau was still coming with 400 men? So though we saw this incredible encounter and personal change, his name was changed, he had an incredible worship moment, his circumstance, he still had to face. Jacob and Esau had a reunion and there was unfinished business. And that's the message for today is unfinished business. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit. We live in a broken world and we're broken people. And as we've already talked a little bit about, there are so many broken relationships in our world and in our communities. And unfortunately, even in our church, and that is not your heart. So tonight, as we open your word and we look at this incredible healing between two brothers who at one point, one of them wanted to kill the other, but you brought them together and you brought reconciliation and healing. My prayer is that this weekend, you would do that in us. Those who are at war, those who are enemies, those who are in conflict, that you would begin the process of healing and reconciliation. So Holy Spirit, work in us in your name. Amen. Amen. Unfinished business is what we're going to talk about. If you have your Bibles, open them to Genesis chapter 33. They're going to, of course, put it up here. So if you don't have it, that's okay. If you're watching with us at home, you can open it as well. So we're going to read the first 11 verses together. I'm going to start at verse 1, Genesis 33. This is right after the encounter um, and Jacob wrestling with God. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. 
So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in front. Then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself, Jacob, went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep it for what you have for yourself. Jacob responded, he said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Thus he urged him and he took it. Now there's, we read a lot of text there and there's a, a bit to unpack in that. But what an incredible healing. I mean, this is completely different than what we saw six chapters earlier. Remember the last time Esau and Jacob saw each other, Jacob had deceived and stolen the blessing that was rightfully his older brother Esau's. And Esau vowed to kill him. He was going to wipe him out. That's the last time they saw each other 20 years ago. And now all of a sudden, we see Esau coming with 400 men. And did you catch what Jacob did? This is a sidebar, but it's pretty interesting. He put everybody, he put his wife Leah and her children out first. And then he put Rachel and her children here. And the Bible says that he put Joseph last. So he puts his family from least favorite to favorite. Now we're going to talk about this later when we get to Joseph. But you have to wonder if that didn't play into the part where Joseph's brothers betraying him. So Jacob is still wrestling here, but he puts his family, his wives and children kind of from least favorite to favorite, and they go out to meet Esau. But what we just read, the Bible said that Jacob passed them all and he ran out ahead of them. So he was the first one to meet Esau. And he's coming out and he's bowing down. He's bowing down to his older brother in humility. And he comes near his brother and he goes all the way down. And what does Esau do? I mean, Esau, you could just hear the music playing. I mean, this is a movie if ever there was one. And he comes and he grabs his brother's neck and they weep and they heal together. And then there's this introduction. Esau says, who are all these people? Who's, who's your family? And he introduces them. And then Esau says, what's with all this stuff you're trying to give me? What's with all the goats and the lambs and the sheep and all of the, what are you trying to get? And Esau and Jacob says, take it take it. And Esau says, no, I don't need it. It's yours. Now remember, how did all this conflict start to begin with? Jacob stole from his brother. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but Jacob says, no, it's yours. And Esau does take it. You see, as I mentioned earlier, if you're a Christian, 
You're called to live a life of reconciliation. And the broken relationships that we have in our lives, we're called to see broken relationships healed, just like we saw here between Jacob and Esau. See, Jesus' followers who are truly living by faith, if we're going to say this year is a year of faith, then us Jesus followers who are truly, truly trying to live by faith, we will handle relational conflict and disagreement differently than the world. Let me tell you something. When we have conflict, when we have disagreement, it should look differently inside these four walls than it does out there. God has called us to handle disagreement and conflict differently than the world. Now, I've been here at ACAC for only a year, just a little over a year. And we talk about following Jesus in diverse community quite a bit. That's who we are. We're proud of our diversity. We believe it's biblical and we seek to do that. And that diversity comes out in ethnic diversity. It comes out in socioeconomic diversity. It comes out in generational diversity. It comes out in political diversity. We welcome that and we embrace that. But how many of you understand, and and again, I'm speaking just to our church family here at ACAC. How many know that can be incredibly difficult at times? Why? Because all of that diversity, as beautiful it is, all of a sudden we bring different perspectives and differences. And so we have an incredible opportunity that while we see the world differently, we can't allow those differences. And with all my heart, even in this last year, I have seen the enemy desire to take the diversity, take the differences in, in what's happening in our world and our perspectives and our, and our background. And the enemy would love nothing more than for us to have broken relationships and demonstrate to the world around us that we're no different than them. But Jesus has called us to handle those differences, handle those conflicts and diversity of of perspectives differently than the world. So my question is, we look at this tonight, will we be different? Will we display how we handle conflict, resolution, how we heal and, and seek to bring healing to broken relationships? Will we be different as a church in that? Well, today, as we look at Genesis 33, quickly, there's five things that I believe Genesis 33 teaches us about reconciliation, the theme of reconciliation. Here we are. Here's the first. Reconciliation, and this is really the most important. Reconciliation is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the story of Jacob and Esau's reunion, it's a picture of the gospel. Reconciliation, healing of broken relationships, It's the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And chapter 33 is really our story. We're Jacob in this story. We are the ones that have sinned against God. Jacob sinned against Esau. We are the ones that have sinned against God. And just like the story in the New Testament of the prodigal son of God bringing healing, God has brought reconciliation through his son Jesus Christ to you and I. It's only when we yield and when we wrestle, as we talked last week, that our broken relationship with God, with our creator, is healed and restored. Again, I I refer to Paul. He, He writes about this. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We're reconciled through God sending Jesus to the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. That's you and I. You were his enemies. Like Jacob and Esau were enemies. We were enemies with God, separated from him by our evil thoughts and our actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You see, as we look to see healing in broken relationships, as we seek reconciliation, just as with Jacob, God had to do a work in Jacob's heart before he could ever do a work in them together. And so it is with you and I. If we seek reconciliation and to be reconciled with brothers and sisters in whom we have conflict, God has to do a work in our heart. For reconciliation to begin, God has to work in us. You see, when we have those personal faith crisis moments, when we wrestle with God, something begins to happen in us. Transformation begins to happen in us. And all of a sudden, that transformation leads to his children pursuing reconciliation. An encounter with God, hear me in this, an encounter with God, it not only changes us on the inside, but it also affects the relationships with those around us. Our relationships with other people especially with those in whom we have conflict and disagree, becomes God's way of visualizing the gospel to the world. The way we handle conflict, when God brings people together who have been enemies, it is a display to the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the second point. Reconciliation is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. A true sign of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If you want to ask yourself, well, how am I growing spiritually? Am I spiritually mature? Is to look at how you handle relational conflict in your life. You see, mature Christians are slow to be offended and quick to forgive. Mature Christians, those who are growing spiritually are slow to be offended and quick to forgive. Immature Christians are quick to be offended and slow to forgive. And it breaks my heart when I, when I you open Twitter, you open Facebook, and, you look, and look how quickly we are as Christians to be offended and how slow we are to forgive. But in Genesis 33, this, this beautiful story of Jacob and Esau, God is teaching us, no, my children should be slow to be offended, and quick to forgive. See, Jacob, he would, have, he would have wanted nothing more than to avoid this reunion with his brother. I mean, he really did just about everything he could to avoid this reunion. He sent him gifts ahead. He sent him messengers ahead. He put his family ahead. But there was unfinished business. There was a reckoning that had to happen. And as we just read earlier, he himself, Jacob, went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Jacob's encounter with God led him to approach his brother. 
Jacob's encounter with God led him to be reconciled. You see, an encounter with God is validated only when it affects our relationships with other people. Let me say that again. When you have a genuine encounter with God, it's validated when that fruit comes out in your relationships of your other relationships with other people. You see, it's not Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. <laughs> you can't have these divine spiritual moments isolated in a vacuum and then not expect them to come out in our relationships with other people. Genuine spiritual encounters with God overflow to every aspect of our life. When we say it is by faith, that means it is by everything. In our relationships, it is by faith. So in that, people that have hurt you, people that have betrayed you, people that we think may be standing in our way, or people that you have offended, the people that you have hurt, God wants our encounters with him to overflow and bring healing and reconciliation to those relationships. But here's the thing, the third point, reconciliation, it always begins with God. As much as we may want to fix and to heal, God has to be the root and the center and the beginning of that. Again, look back at Genesis 33 when the story, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Esau was the one who came and grabbed Jacob's neck Jacob was bowing on the ground, but it was Esau who was the one that picked him up, grabbed him, hugged him, and they wept together. Now, there's no record here in this, in this verse and in the Old Testament, there's no record that Esau ever mentioned God. There's no mention that Esau was living a life of faith. God simply had told Jacob to return to his home, and he promised Jacob that he would go with him and that he would protect him. But long before Jacob ever got there, long before Jacob and Esau ever met, God was working in Esau's heart. While Jacob was experiencing his own transformation, God was doing a work in his brother's heart. Now, some people may say, well, time heals all wounds, blood's thicker than water. But I believe it teaches us that God is always working. God initiated our reconciliation with him by sending Jesus to earth. And any healing and restoration of broken relationships always begins with God. Never forget that the real battle for reconciliation begins long before the actual face-to-face -face encounter ever takes place. The real battle for us seeing broken relationships restored and reconciled starts long before you will ever come face-to-face -face with that person. This is one of the significances of prayer. There have been moments in my life where I've had broken relationship. There are probably people that come to mind. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. Prayer is significant. We have no control of how other people respond. Jacob had no control of what his brother was going to do. But we can hit our knees. We can pray and ask God to work in our heart, work in their heart, and trust that God will work behind the scenes just as he did with Esau. The last two are what we can control. Reconciliation requires a posture of humility. Look at this as we read earlier. When you look at Jacob's response to Esau, the Bible says that Jacob himself went on before them, 
And what did he do? He, he bowed, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And when Esau lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and children. He said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. And look at the response of Jacob's family. Then the servants, these are Jacob's servants, drew near, drew near, they and their children. And what did the servants and children do? They bowed down. And it goes on, Leah Likewise, and her children drew near, and they bowed down. Last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Jacob and his family demonstrated incredible humility when he met his brother. And I have to, when I look at this, you know, it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been natural for Leah and for Rachel, for his servants and for their children to bow down and be humble before Esau. There had to be a conversation where Jacob said to his wife, he said to his children, he said to his servants, when you approach my brother, we're going to come humbly. We talked about this last week. The whole language of Jacob was different. All of a sudden, he's calling Esau, my Lord, I'm your servant. There was a humble, there was a humility in his posture. And you see, Jacob had experienced God. And when you and I experience, like Jacob, the grace and the love and the mercy of God, it will flow out of you into your relationships with other people. It will spill over into every relationship that you have with other, other people. Humility is the posture of those seeking reconciliation. But here's the last thing. Reconciliation requires restitution. Jacob didn't just stop at bowing before his brother. Jacob just didn't stop at saying, I'm sorry, there was restitution that had to be made. Look what he did. In chapter 33, verse 8, Esau said, what do you mean by all this company? Now, company, he's referring to all of the things both in chapter 32 and and 33 that Jacob had sent on before, all of the goats and all of those things. Esau, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to find favor in the sight. Here it is, humble language, my Lord. And Esau's like, I have enough. Like, just keep it. Esau's Esau's heart is so changed. But look what Jacob does. Jacob says, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. The first word he uses is accept these presents. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. But watch what Jacob says here. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Thus he urged him and he took it. So Esau accepts it. Go back one. Jacob says, please accept. First he called it my present. Then he said, accept my blessing. What was it that Jacob stole from Esau 20 years earlier? Jacob comes back to his brother and in a repentant heart, this is Jacob's way of saying, Brother, I I stole your blessing. Here it is, it's yours. I'm returning to you. I'm making restitution from what I took from you. We have Jacob acknowledging, repenting, and restoring what he had stole from his brother. He was owning his mistakes, and he was making an attempt to make it right. True repentance and humility require an eagerness 
to bring restoration for the loss that was caused. You know, if you borrowed somebody's car and you went out and you slid on a patch of ice and you wrecked it, you wouldn't just return them to the car and say, I am so sorry I did that to your car. Here are your keys. You would try to make it right. Rest, restitution. You would make things right. We see it in the story of Zacchaeus. We talked about it actually a few weeks ago. Remember Zacchaeus? He comes down. Jesus goes to his house. He meets the Lord, finds the Lord. And then what does Zacchaeus do? He says, I will restore four times. If I've cheated or stolen from anybody, I'm going to make it right. There's a restitution that has to happen when it comes to reconciliation. You may be thinking, okay, well, what about personal relationships? If you're arguing over somebody with politics and you break relationships, what do you restore? It's a little different than, break, than uh, wrecking somebody's car. Well, in personal relationships, we can't always restore the emotional damage that has been caused, but we can certainly take time to listen with compassion and be eager to make some kind of contribution to the ones that we have wronged. We can empathize, we can take time, we can try to understand, we can repent, we can say, forgive me, we can say, I'm sorry, and we can listen. But we have to bring restitution and repentance. So let's wrap this up. You know, it's, as I was thinking about this and preparing, I was examining my own life, and I was thinking of the faces in our church. It's not unrealistic to believe that every one of us in this room and even those watching online probably have at least one relationship in your life that needs healing and needs to be reconciled because it's been broken. We struggle with broken relationships. Now, it it may not be your brother. It may not be like Jacob and Esau. You may not have stolen something, but there is broken relationship in all of our lives and in some areas we need reconciled. Reconciliation, it's the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reconciliation, how, how much we pursue that is a, is a great indicator of our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity. You show me someone who is leaning in to reconciling with their brother or sister. You show me someone that desires to bring healing to the relationship and I'll show you somebody who's growing spiritually. Reconciliation though always begins with God. It doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. Fourth, reconciliation requires a humble spirit, a humble heart. And last, as we just talked about, reconciliation requires restitution. The way we respond to conflict with those around us has the potential to make the gospel come alive in others. We talk about winning the world for Christ. We talk about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know one of the the best ways to make the gospel for other people who don't know and don't believe in Jesus? One of the best ways to make the gospel come alive in them? What would happen if they saw the church be slow to offense and quick to forgive? What would happen if the world all of a sudden saw that Christians were reconciling broken relationships? What would happen if our language changed and we dealt differently with our disagreements and our conflict? The gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of reconciliation, 
would come alive. If we are going to be people who live by faith, we're going to say it is by faith, it is by faith in our relationships, then this is something we have to practice regularly. This has to be a habit in our life. So today I ask you, who do you need to be reconciled with? What broken relationships are in your life that you need God to bring healing and restoration to? What unfinished business do you have? Each of you that are here on site should have received a little just blank white piece of paper. I want you to get that out. We're going to ask Josh to come and I want us to just take a little time of reflection and prayer. We're, we're not in a hurry. If you're watching online, I know you're not in a hurry. You're not going anywhere. And just, if you're watching at home, I, I want you to get a piece of paper or a post-it note. Parents, this is a great time. If you have kids that are in conflict or broken relationship, man, what a lesson to learn at a young age. Teenagers, and and don't be in a rush to write anything down. I just, I want us to have a few moments of silence and reflection. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God reveal in me. For some of you, you know right now. <laughs> their, their, their name comes, their face comes. But for others, I want you to ask God, the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, who do you need healing with? And I want you to write their name on that piece of paper. So before we go anywhere else, let's just, just take time. Maybe you know the name, write it down now. If you don't, let's just take a few moments. Ask the Holy Spirit to work. Hopefully God has directed you to a relationship, to a person, and you've written that name down. Would you look up here at me for a minute? I wasn't planning on sharing this. Broken relationships can really hurt. Especially when you're the one that you've tried to do everything right. Sometimes that happens. Like I said, you have no control. There's some people here that that has happened and there's, that pain goes deep and there's anger. <laughs> you're like Esau. It's like, man, next time I see you, I am wiping you out. I can tell you in my life, in the last three or four years, there was a relationship like that. And man, it cut deep. And I had to work through resentment and anger. And I knew it was, I was like, God, I just, I don't want to carry this. <laughs> and one of the ways that I just, God revealed and I learned 
It's, it's the, in the area of prayer. This is why it's so important. It's why I wanted you to write this down. I prayed every day for that person. And I stand here before you today and I, you know, that relationship is not reconciled. But I'm not carrying bitterness and I, I pray every, I just prayed every day. I said, God bless that person. God, I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would speak to their heart, you would speak to mine, that I wouldn't carry this bitterness. And I, I mean, I just prayed favor. And let me tell you, there were days it was really hard. <laughs> you ever try praying blessings over somebody that honestly you just don't like? That's tough. But you know what happens? Day by day when you pray, it gets a little easier. And I didn't see the circumstance change. I still haven't. But God did a work in my heart. And like he did with Esau, I have to trust that God is working in that other person. I have to trust. And so for some of you today, you need to spend time praying. It may be really hard. It could be an ex-wife, an ex-husband. It could be a child that hurt you. It could be somebody at work. It could be somebody just, it could be somebody in our church. And I'm just going to ask that you commit. I don't even want to give you a time frame. Just every day as you seek the Lord, pray for that person. Pray that God would bless them. Pray that God, they would hear God's voice. They would be with them. And that God would work in you. And I believe if you do that, he will do a work in your heart as he did with Jacob's. And one day, one day maybe God will provide an opportunity for that healing to come. Would you commit to that? Church, we need to be, we need to display reconciliation. We live in a world with a lot of anger, a lot of anger, a lot of dissension and hostility and polarization. And if we talk about witnessing to the world, we, our relationships They've got to display the reconciliation that Christ has given to us. So, Father, we come to you with, Lord, open hands and, and hearts that need filled. Lord, I pray for every name that was written down today. On these white pieces of paper and maybe at home, I pray that, God, you would bring healing just as you did with two brothers that hated each other, a brother that wanted to kill his younger brother. But Lord, he came and you did the work in his heart and he wrapped his arms around his neck and they wept together. Would you do that in us? Would we be people of reconciliation? So Lord, I pray again over every circumstance and God, I ask that you would do a work in the hearts that are holding resentment and anger, that you would just heal that, that your Holy Spirit would drive that out and instead fill with peace and joy and unity and civility and goodness and kindness and gentleness. And I pray for divine appointments. I pray for reconciled moments to occur. So maybe in November or December of this year, as we look back, there'll be a couple people that maybe will stand on this stage and say, you know, back in February, we looked at Jacob and Esau. And I'm 
happy to stand here today and thank and praise God because he healed and he reconciled a broken relationship. Would you do that? In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.